This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Scrunchies So many Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help But Wonder. A podcast where we talk about Sex and the City and how it relates to us. God, I'm really feeling the harmonies today. To us. Jamie and I are such a good duo. I mean, I, I'm not like trying to blow smoke, but I'm just saying. Oh, God. Thank God I found you. damn it. Okay, gal, who were you this week? Oh if my I may god! Ask? Thank you for asking. Um, I will say I was a Miranda this week. Okay, because or I am a Miranda this week. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that. Well, I got back from traveling a bunch, which I talked about a little bit in the last episode. Um, I was gone for five weeks traveling across the country, going to a bunch of different cities for a project I'm not allowed to talk about. It's annoying because I have all the things I want to say about it. So many, so many soon, things. Soon, soon, soon. Soon, soon, soon. Um, but yeah, and I just got back and I'm just kind of in a, I've just, I don't know, I guess I'm a Miranda because she, especially in this episode and the last episode, she really is kind of like down on herself. Um, uh, you know, obviously it takes an upward turn um, in this episode which we will get to shortly but yeah I I just kind of was like I don't know I I felt really isolated since Mm. I've been back I also haven't like seen anyone or like caught up with anyone Mm. and like honestly this podcast is truly saving me happy to see you yeah I'm just in this place of like it's been so much work it's a lot of work and then when I'm not working I'm truly like unable to do anything you're really hard on yourself sometimes you think so yeah because it's like yeah you work so hard and you're doing all this like when you're home for a week you should be able to just sit by the pool with a friend and just not feel like you should be doing any i i think that but i haven't even like made plans with a friend like i don't feel like i live anywhere (laughs) but even if you don't make plans i just think that why you're hard on yourself is part of your success a lot of really successful people are really hard on themselves it's what keeps them going but for example if you worked relentlessly for a month and you want to sleep for three days don't worry about it yeah you deserve it like I think that you, like most of us, put a lot of shoulds on yourself. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I sh- if you needed three days, that's fine. Yeah. 
I it's know. exhausting. Your your schedule is exhausting. Yeah, but then every time I feel exhausted, I'm like, you're not that tired. Like, come on. Like, get your shit together. <laughs> Just be nice. You work so hard. Thanks. I Who love you? you. I love you, too. Who are you this week? Who are you this week? I think this week I am... Maybe a Miranda in her positive sense. Okay. I think a lot of times when they when we and other people say they're a Miranda, it's kind of in a in not like the best sense. It's like it means you're feeling a little low. But one thing I think Miranda has down on lock that she's not insecure about is her career. I think she feels very secure in that. She knows she's talented. She makes a ton of money. And that's not something she's tripping out about. She also seems to like it. Yeah. I think she likes her. It's always sort of painted in a pretty positive light. Yeah. So I started a new job. I'm writing on a television show. Thank you. It's an animated show for Marvel. It's going to be on Hulu. So awesome. Thank you. And it's going to be out next year and I can't talk about the actual show but that's fine we, we don't have need a to. lot of we can't talk abouts on this show we're so pretentious we're dealing with it's the real. threat of legal departments literally like yeah yelling at us but I um this is only the second show I've written for the first one was for a, a wonderful talented woman named Jamie Lee oh yeah and I've been on the hustle for a while and so I was so excited but also a little nervous to be in the room because I was I am the staff writer. It's the lowest position in the room as a writer. And there's all these different rules. Like in certain rooms, if you're the staff writer, you really shouldn't talk much because there's a hierarchy. Every room is different. Every showrunner is different. That is very true. This room is super casual and open and loving. And I talk all day long. And, you know, we're all pitching. And, you know, um, I feel like I have the most to prove, even though it's such a warm room. I always want people to think that they were glad that they hired me and that I'm really proving my worth. And, mm. you know, all these other people have been working for a, over a decade and they have a million credits and they're so talented and they have so much stuff. And for me, this is kind of the is beginning. Is it like that? Is it like you and then it jumps up to a much more senior position? There's me. There's one other girl who I'm close with who is a story editor who's worked on like three or four yeah. shows, but okay. still has more than I do. And then sure. everybody else has like one person was a showrunner for Colics and he's so funny and wonderful. The other one has worked for... Is it Teddy Landis? Sorry. No, okay. it was Kevin Etten. He's okay. like fabulous. Oh, okay. Um, but... The the uh, there's three writers, a showrunner and two writers who are who have significant credits, who got are it, producer and it, executive producer yes, level. Sure. So um, they don't. This is just a fun. Jo- I mean, I don't mean to put words in their mouth, but I don't think they feel too much pressure. Sure. And I don't think anyone's putting pressure on me, but I just feel like it's really important that like everything I do is like very very good, and that they would hire me again and would mm-hmm. recommend me, and I just feel like I have because I'm the most early in my career I have the most to prove and um, it's interesting because because the showrunner is so lovely and warm and egalitarian you know anyone can talk as much as they want and I'm a talker and sometimes I'm like oh my god am I pitching too much for a staff writer but I think a lot of like a lot of the things I'm pitching are getting in right and like are making people like lol right so I think I'm I've crested a little thing of like I think for a the first couple of weeks, I'm like, I hope I'm as funny as these people. I hope I, I'm I'm good enough to be here. And then the last week or so, I feel like, yeah, I'm funny. I'm 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 contributing a lot and they're happy to have me. So that was a nice feeling. That's great. Yeah. OK, that's great. Yeah. And just kind of like, you know, if people have all my coworkers are wildly talented, but you know, they also have 15 years of experience and yeah. this is just the beginning for me. So I think I'm funny and talented, but 
there's also stuff that just takes time to learn. Sure. Yeah. You're wonderful. Thank you. And you're wonderful in a room. Thanks. I've seen it in action. Thanks. I have to say, I, I like think that I make people laugh a lot and like, that's gross to say, but no, and you I make even, people laugh a lot on this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's nice because it's so interesting, as you know, hopefully this isn't like boring for people, but it's it's interesting. It's like a group of people. There's two people in the room who are very quiet, like they speak at a quiet level. Sure. They they're the opposite of me. They're not super chatty. I feel like every show has but, those people. But then you read their shit and it's like. The funniest thing you've ever read. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's always that. The ninjas. Are you kidding? Yeah. With these, it's like their pages are wild. It's like, it's like somebody who's shy and then like into BDSM. You're like, I didn't know that was hiding in there. So, so every person in the room, probably like your last room, everyone has their special thing they provide. Yeah. And also it's like the thing of, even in a smaller room, it's like, you're not supposed to do the job of everybody. Right. That's why there's multiple writers. Yeah. It's like, you're only hired to do you. Like, yeah. someone else will do them. You don't have to be like, you know, this like, you know, woman of every trade. Of course. It's like, you literally just have to like come in, even if you pitched less or, d- you know, did way less. It's still like, yeah, you're just like contributing what you can contribute. And like, it'd be different if you weren't talking at all. Then that'd be, uh, that'd probably be an issue. But like, I feel like I've definitely had days in writers' rooms where I say two things and neither are good. That's okay. And then I have other days where I'm like, I am on bam, bam, fire. It's yeah. also different when you have a really nice showrunner where there's not a competitive atmosphere. Yes. Because then it's like you even it makes everyone work harder too. Yeah, but it's also interesting too because then you're like, I have to decide if I'm doing well because then you just have to be like, did I do well today? Because nobody's going to really tell you. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. What's the male to female ratio in that room? It's half and half. And I have to say something else that's important for the listeners is like I'm 36 and I've been wanting to write for television since I was 20. So like 16 years. So and every day I'm in the room, I like can't believe this is my job. Like I literally sit around with the funniest, smartest people and we laugh from 10 to 5. I know. And I get a check at the end of the week. Yeah, it's crazy. So keep going on the thing you want to do because it might happen later but it's so fucking worth it when it's there yeah it's a great job when it's great it's great it's truly the it's like the most fulfilling job it's like talking with your funniest friends and getting paid for it yeah yeah which is like this i know i know i know we're lucky girls i know we're lucky girls okay gal okay this week's episode season two episode eight called the man the myth the Viagra. I love also, these this is titles. a Sex in the City podcast. In case anyone was like, "What are we listening to?" Yeah, this is about Sex in the City. And today we're doing season two, episode eight: The Man, the Myth, the Viagra. Rose, take it away. Before I even go, this oh, is God. one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. Oh, it's un- it's yeah. I was about to say it's uncredible. It's uncredible. It really it's is un effing incredible. Yeah, I agree. It's in un okay, just go. Things open with Carrie and Big enjoying a night out at Da Marino, a checkered tablecloth Italian restaurant where Big does the unthinkable. He sings. He also calls Carrie his girlfriend for the first time, which is very important for her. But the headline here is Big Belt Sinatra and Carrie loves it. Their relationship is back on track and more solid than liquids, meaning never that solid, but solid for them. 
Miranda, meanwhile, suffers through a stand-up routine at a comedy club while on a date with Alan, a definitely divorced guy slash architect. When Alan steps away from their table before they can duck out of the club, his phone goes off, leading to a real overstep by the comic on stage, in which he commands Miranda to answer the phone, only to take it from her and reveal that the call is coming from Alan's wife. Alan is still married. Alan, no. No, Alan. Oh, that was so hard to watch. The core four debrief at lunch on men and relationship myths. If they're not married, they're gay, or burned from a divorce, or aliens from the planet Don't Date Me. It's amazing how many of them walk among us now, only recognizable by their slightly larger heads. I asked him, point blank, how long have you been divorced? Three years. Just like that. Three years. Guys are such liars. And 97% of them can't fuck you worth a damn. He tells me how much he likes me, and boom, I believe him. Am I that needy? Well, maybe he really did like you. I swear, if you Pollyanna out on me today, I'm going to have to hit you with this rice pudding. This married man fell madly in love with my friend Amanda's friend Ashley. And he said he would get a divorce, and he did. And they got married, and they moved to Connecticut, and he is this amazing husband and father. Never happened. Excuse me? Urban relationship myth. Unbelievable fairy tales concocted by women to make their love lives seem less hopeless. Exactly, except it makes you feel even more hopeless because this fabulous, magical relationship is never happening to you. It did happen! It's right up there with the one about the guy who couldn't commit and the woman broke up with him and moved away to Kansas or someplace and then one night she comes walking home. In the rain. Always in the rain. And he's standing there in front of her door with an engagement ring and he says marry me and they live happily ever after but it can happen people do live happily ever after it happened to my friend amanda's friend it's always a friend who knows a friend who knows a friend such a great conversation yeah the urban myth thing is funny my friend amanda's friend i know it's it's interesting because it's like uh it's hard because you know there are examples that do challenge, you know, when when you're feeling um, frustrated about dating and relationships, like I always think about my friend who is very happily married with a son and her husband was, I don't mean to say this in a mean way, but a disaster when she met him. He was doing tons of cocaine and drinking. He made no money. He lived in a shitty apartment with tons of guys. And, uh, you know, he has other qualities. He's super funny. He's really talented. He's hilarious. He's like a great improv actor and comedian. But like I, all of the people in my world were like, oh, obviously you can never date him. He's not a real thing. And a friend of mine met him. They fell in love. It's the kind of person where everybody with their head on straight would be like, no, obviously no. Yeah. And he he committed to her. He moved in with her. She made him get sober. And now he's like a sober, happy, great husband and dad. So it's one of those stories where it's like, maybe your friend was like, I don't know, can he change? And you're like, well, yeah, because this thing really did happen. The problem is there's for every, there's one of these for every 4,000 times somebody doesn't get sober and doesn't change. Yeah. This is like what you were saying in the previous episode of this podcast about like, you know, potential is not something to bet on and right, it's like well in this case I guess it does. potential maybe is uh 
I don't know. She saw something. Did you do? You, did you ever cling on to any urban myths, or did you ever like have any that you like cited when you were feeling kind of down? Oh man, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, for everything, every for every little like ism that you use to sort of like validate how you're feeling or thinking, or there's always like the opposite that's also true. So really, at the end of the day, you should be in a relationship that makes you feel good, and when you know it's right, it's right. It's, yeah, it's there's I think that we come up with these myths, if you will, to sort of validate our own experience. Totally. But then once your experience is validated by actually being in a healthy relationship, you don't need all of these little things anymore. They're yeah. only really helpful when like you're struggling in some capacity. Yes, I remember just now it popped into my head. A myth that always helped me is is I remember um uh, an old therapist because I was frustrated that I wasn't getting into a serious relationship and feeling insecure about that and she was like I've got plenty of clients who like met their spouses in their 30s and 40s and like fell in love and got married like I remember as I was getting older and still not like finding the one and being like am I too old is this ever gonna happen for me and maybe it's not a myth but it really calmed me down having her be like I know plenty of people that like fell in love at 40 and got married and have kids like absolutely that myth really I don't know if it's a myth no it's- I think that's the one that I like the most is like if you can just tell me of like people older than me doing things I haven't done yes. yet I'm good yeah I, think I will that feel was, so comforted I clinged on that and it's nice it's those I'm are gonna helpful. be like 85 years old and be like oh my god people at 90 or five I've, I've met people at 90 95 who you know just finally did what you're wanting to do and right. you're like oh thank you yeah it's nice it's nice yeah and, and, and another thing I think I always that always calmed me down I, I think whether you even want to get married or not or whether you even want to have kids or not if you're a fucking woman, you feel stressed about it if it hasn't happened yet, even if you don't even know if you want it. And I remember another thing that always calmed me down is knowing people who got married when they were older than I was. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, well, I met my husband when I was 37 or I met my guy. You know, anything that happened later than me Absolutely. makes me feel relaxed. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I haven't had my first kid until I was 42. You're like, right. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Okay. You're like, I didn't kiss anyone until I was 60. You're <laughs> like, cool. All right. I guess I'm killing it. <laughs> I didn't get fingered until this year. <laughs> and it was by my own self. Oh, my God. Still, what a triumph. <laughs> I was like, is this the year you finger yourself, Rose? Oh. Yeah. They were there the whole time. I don't know. One day I just... All 10 of them. I was getting my nails done. I just was like, whoa. These I looked look at them like in a different way. These look like dildos. <laughs> These look like little pleasure pumpers. Little. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so funny, like falling in love with your own finger. You're oh like, my, you're like, like... You were there. You were under my wrists the whole time. <laughs> we were always just friends. I you know. always helped me, but like in a platonic way, like, like eating food, or like opening a door. with a pencil. And then I was like, wait, you can also fuck me? <laughs> oh my God. You're all I ever needed. Um, uh, have you ever encountered someone... I can someone... see you, Halo. Oh, yay, <laughs> Girl, have you ever encountered someone on a date who like lied about their relationship status or anything like that? I mean, I was dating someone who had been divorced and didn't bring it up. And I was like, that's weird. And then it did come out later. And they thought that I knew. And I was like, no, it's not like public information that you've been divorced. And they were just like, oh, I just thought like maybe you had heard about it or something. And I was like, no. I'd heard about it. Well, like in the it was like in the a newspaper. gut punch. Yeah, it was like, that's a gut punch. What, like, how knowing, soon into the dates or dating? It was like three weeks in. Oh, 
that they weren't divorced that they had they didn't tell me that they had been divorced oh got it and that to me was like a big like whoa that feels like inf- information you would get sooner yeah for sure yeah especially when you're yeah no just just enjoy yeah i was about to qualify it and i'm like no you should just it, you would just think that would come up earlier this is uh says more about me than the guys probably well no that's that's a negative woman thing to say but uh I think I had bad taste for a really long time. So I've gone out with multiple people who um, I remember in my 20s in New York, this uh, guy that I just saw around. I don't even know how I knew him, um, but I saw him at brunch with this girl and I was like, oh, hi, blah, blah, blah. And then I um, and then somehow he like asked me, I don't remember if it was Facebook or texted me or something. And we went to Union Pool and he was very Love good looking. That place. Yeah, we we're having a good time. And uh, great tacos in the back. Great talk was in the back. Yeah. He got me a drink and our knees were touching and we kind of like kissed a little bit. And then I was like, oh, so who was that girl that you were having brunch with? Is that like your um, best friend or something? And fully, he just <gasps> said, oh, that's my girlfriend. What? And I was like, what? What? Why are we on this date right now? I, I was so shocked. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, what are we doing here? He was like, oh, well, my I don't mouth know. is dropped. The uh, fact that he just admitted it, floor. too. Oh, my God. And I was like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Like, I'm I'm leaving and I left. And he texted me and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. I, I didn't really handle that well. You know, like, what is wrong with you? What do you mean handle that well? Don't ask what? I mean, he still follows me on fucking Instagram. Oh, my God. Get out of here, dude. So that's wild. And then my second one was. I lost my virginity to a real piece of shit. And I was 19 and he was like 33. And he had some ex-girlfriend or something that he said he was still friends with. And this was the kind of guy who would like call me and tell me I was his dream girl and like want to hang out with me. And then I'd be like, cool, like you're my boyfriend, right? And he'd be like, whoa, whoa, I mean, let's not, uh, (laughs) you know, this type of thing. Oh, God. And uh, when we broke up, I found out he was still sleeping with and dating his girlfriend and also lived next door to her. And I was like, I lost my virginity to him. Yikes. So anyway, um, yeah, I that have so been icky. lied to and uh, and fucked over like that. But I, I don't think I ever was super jaded like Miranda, but I, I definitely had my share, fair share of like total dirt bags. It's also so horrible because it's like, oh my God, the 33-year-old who sleeps with a 19-year-old and is sleeping isn't, and has yeah, a girlfriend isn't a good person? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, know. I mean, no judgment. No. Everyone's different. You know, whatever. Age is just a number, but it's true. it is a quite a discrepancy. But I do have to say asterisk. I do think if you're in a low self-esteem place, then you will find yourself dating a lot more guys like that than there. Oh, I, I don't think it's I true think to the I don't think it's a good representation of truly how men are. Oh, yeah. No, I think that that's but what you're saying is very true. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Back into the app. The next time we see Samantha, she's at a bar alone in the middle of the day, drinking a very red cocktail out of a martini glass. And in the background, in a corner booth, we see none other than Donald Trump having lunch with 
Ed, an extremely wealthy 70-something who later sidles up to Samantha. Samantha and Sa Grandpa really hit it off. He calls her a pistol, and she's totally psyched on him, even though he's 72. A young 72, she later tells Carrie. I loved when he called her a pistol. I like that word. Me too. Back at Big's place, he and Carrie double down on this whole Italian gimmick. They're breading some veal together when Carrie gets a call from Miranda, who's at the dive bar where they're supposed to meet. Shit. It turns out Carrie stood her up to share some baby cow, leaving Miranda to stew solo. This is hilarious. That is until she gets hit on by Steve, the bartender. Yay, Steve! I love Steve so much. Um, That's right. This is the episode where we meet lovable, schlovable, drink-pouring, ma-loving, Miranda-boning Steve. Though Miranda's still feeling hurt by Alan, she sleeps with Steve that night. However, she rejects the premise that Steve could possibly be into her when he asks for her number. She says it was just a one-night stand and sends him packing, dot, 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 for now. Samantha settles into her luxurious lifestyle with Ed, enjoying a multi-course meal of seafood and diamonds. When she's fully encrusted in jewels, Ed lays his cards on the table. After an impressive six-course dinner... Ed put the moves on Samantha. Ed's moves were from a different dating time. Moves Samantha had heard of or seen in old movies, but moves she never thought she'd experience firsthand. I used to groove with these cats in Cuba. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ah. What's the matter, Ed? Can't afford the light bill. Oh, you're fun. A toast to fun. Mm. Oh, what the hell. I'm going to lay my cards on the table. Samantha, I figure I've only got a handful of good years left. Oh, no. Ten to twelve tops. And I'm looking for someone to have some fun with. Now, I'm aware that a gorgeous woman like you can get any young man you want. So I'm willing to make it worth your while. And speaking of wild, don't worry. I got a big old pocket full of Viagra. Why, Ed? (laughs) That's not Viagra. Samantha was suddenly living her own urban relationship myth. The woman who stopped for a cocktail after work and lived happily ever after for 10 to 12 years tops. It's not anything you could play audio because it's all in the visuals. But the scene where Samantha keeps opening different uh, parts of her napkin and the thing and finding the jewelry and clapping, she's like... One of the best comedic actresses oh, she's that we have. Incredible. She's so good. She's like up there with Lucy. No, like, no, a hundred percent. When she goes, she goes, oh, oh, like oh, it's, Ed. Oh, it's, it's so My favorite good. is when he gives her, I think he gives her two different types of jewelry and then there's a third and she goes, oh, Ed, <laughs> no. It's so good. Fucking Kim Cattrall, you're a goddamn goddess. She's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, so, the, this character is so ahead of its time, and it's such a trailblazing role. And it's Can you imagine so incredible. being on set? People were probably peeing their pants. Yeah. Dying. She's incredible. She's incredible. Jamie, what do you think of the wealthy older man who's rich uh, spoiling a younger woman thing? Um... I don't know if I have a strong opinion on it, really, even though I feel like I should. I, 
Yeah, I've never been in that situation. So I have a really hard time speaking to it. I once dated someone who definitely had way more money than I had. But also that was relative to where we were at in our lives. Like I was in my early 20s and they were in their early 30s. And so I think it was a little like more expected that they were more settled financially. That wasn't like you were like with no, him for the diamonds. No, but there was a little bit of yeah, there was a little bit of like daddiness to the relationship. Um, it started pretty innocent and effortless. It was just like, well, of course he's gonna like pay for meals because he's chivalrous. But then also, I just didn't have the money he had. So it, I think there there was a level of him taking care of me, and there was also a level of him liking the control that came with taking care of me. And he wasn't super controlling or anything, but just inherently he had the power because he was kind of the one with the better bank account. Um, and I didn't like it. It made me really uncomfortable. So this um, would not be a good dynamic for you. Maybe now I would be better in it um, because I know that like if I ever was with someone who was super, super rich, it wouldn't change my ambition. I think that's what I learned is that like, I'll never be someone who won't work. Like, yeah, I just don't know what I would do with myself. I would go actually crazy. Um, <laughs> so I could never be like a housewife in, in right. that, in that or trophy housewife, I guess in that sense. But Samantha's also not that Samantha's, you know, young and successful and, um, driven and has her own life and a great circle of friends and her life is very full. So, um, you know, there is something interesting about that person paired with the sort of caretaking stereotypical old daddy role. Um, and I don't think that, I think that's why this relationship is interesting to me. If it were to like last more than one episode, which it doesn't, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, she's like not, just like a, like someone just like sitting around like being pampered she's like busy it's funny when you were talking about like you were like no matter who I'm with I know I'm so ambitious and I'll always work and I know that that is also true for me but there have been moments in my life like I'm very good at taking vacations I'm very good at like sitting and watching the couch and sometimes I'm like should I just get fat and have babies like I've thought about that before yeah it's not gonna it's not that's not me but there is something that sounds so relaxing about that. I'm sure. sure I'm sure it's not relaxing. But one thing I think is interesting about this particular older man, younger woman thing is I like how honest he is. There's no pretense. There's no she's not pretending to love him and he's not pretending that she loves him. I think it's actually pretty cool how he's like, let's just call a spade a spade. I'm rich. I you're love young. When he says I have 10 to 12 years tops. It's so fucking funny. She goes, Ed, no. And he's like, no, no, I've got 10 to 12 years stuff. Yeah, I mean, something I think is kind of <sighs> cool about it that like, you know, cause we're in L.A. You you can play uh, daughter or girlfriend all day in L.A. I mean, there's so many couples that walk into restaurants who are like, what is going on there? Right. And I think it's really easy to judge that. And it's also really like, you know, as a woman, it can get really tedious to see like wealthy older men with like a 20 year old. But uh, the other side of that is I think there's something refreshing about this because it's like this is a business transaction. There's no pretense. And I think that makes it more honest because right, this isn't a love. This is there's it's not a love relationship. It's not a Nicole, Anna Nicole Smith pretending no. to be like, this is the love of my life. Yes. He's in a fucking wheelchair. Right. So I think that's cool. I think I think that it's a cool experiment. I would not be a trap when I was. In college and in my early 20s, I was um, 
playing out some really toxic dad stuff where I was exclusively dating guys who were 10 years older than me and really looking for a dad and that was really fucked up but I think through like lots of therapy and healing I don't do that anymore so now I'm very much just attracted to people my own age um that being said I think some people are really attracted to like older guys that ship has sailed for me I don't I don't look for that anymore. I also think like I have seen some of the hard parts about that. My mom's husband is 20 years older than she is and she's 65 and he's 85 and she's like almost fully a caretaker now. And like my mom's still young and pretty and like my stepdad can't hear, he can't see and they have a love relationship. This isn't, he's not giving her diamonds, but like the truth of being with someone a lot older is it gets hard later. Yeah. I'm talking about something completely different. This is no, like no, about no. like, I, I, yeah, but I, yeah, I know what you're saying. And I think that in the case of Samantha and Ed, um, it's very playful. It's very upbeat. And I don't even think that Ed is asking for exclusivity. I think he's just asking I for think like Ed's being a totally reasonable attention every once in a while. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting at seventy two that Ed still wants a I fuck kn- buddy. I want, I know it's fascinating, and it's also like I wish this. I wish this episode lasted more than one. You're I would right. love to see an arc for how this plays out versus what actually ends up happening, which we won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen this episode. You know what else is kind of interesting about this dynamic is like, unlike a lot of those dynamics of like rich older guy and like young woman that's just like taking the money. Um, I kind of get the feeling that definitely not in love with him, but I kind of get the feeling that like Samantha like enjoys this guy's company. Yeah, he makes charming. her laugh. Yeah, they're having fun. It's not like she's like, God, you just got to get through this dinner to get the money. No, and also like Ed actually has a very similar sense of humor to Samantha. Samantha kind of has this like, like old soul, like almost like a nineteen. 19- 20s totally. like cocktail like waitress born. she's just like oh hello like she's yeah. not of this time and i think ed is actually like on a sort of like i don't know personality yes. level they're very much the same person they speak the same language and i think that she's also internally debating whether she's attracted to him i don't think it's a definite no for her she's very open i mean yeah. she's she's said and also shown that she will have relationships or sexual encounters with many different types of people. What do you think the oldest person is for you at this age now that, that you, I would date that you could date or be sexually attracted to or enjoy having sex with? What do you think the cap is at this moment? Uh, 50 something but like 50, 50 what? 50? Yeah. 50. Yeah, probably. I mean, a little maybe a little older. I'll give a little bit of wiggle room. Okay. Just in case it's, you know, to quote Samantha, a young 50. Yeah, 50, probably. Mm-hmm. But even that, Skyler I would be like, you? whoa, he's Skyler, 50. how old are you? 26. Okay, so what do you think the cap of, obviously, if you weren't with your love and... Um, 37? This is like fully off the dome. I really have not thought about it, but I think Yeah, I think it's like hard 37? to put a cap on it. No, I mean, this is just them. hypothetical. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I think I'm with you, James. I think it's around 50, but I don't think... I think I'd really want to keep it in the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I When I was 27, I had a crush on someone who was 41. Yeah. And I always was like, ah! Like, it just felt... There's something kind of... You can definitely was, play that up in bed, though. Yeah. Yeah. But it was scary. 
it was scary. I remember You're feeling. Like, what if he dies from a heart attack while we have sex? <laughs> He's like 41. I wasn't scared of that, but I was just scared of like how sort of like cemented he was in his life and how much I was not. Yeah. At the time, so yeah, it's just like ah, like he's. I just felt like he had lived. I mean, it's just true. He had lived so much longer than I had in this way that I felt like I didn't know. I don't know. It was intimidating. Skyler, what did you have a thinking face on? Oh, I just um, just earlier on on Ed, there is this just little implied arc that I love so much that I just wanted to note. Just the way that uh, his his housekeeper deals with Samantha <laughs> oh, yeah. is it's so funny. Like it's, it's clearly Samantha is far from the first right. woman, younger woman that he's brought and, and feted with diamonds before. And like, she, she's like seen the routine. It's so like, funny. And then so he puts great. the diamonds under the silver platter and they lift it up and they scream. And yeah, she That's definitely seen it before. Okay. Okay. Well, sadly for Ed, his flabby older man butt proves too much for Samantha. Seeing his butt is one of the most iconic it's mi- sex yeah. in the city. It's LOL. It's a reality check. It's like you'll never forget that butt. No, it's incredible. And also, if you're young, like our age, like you don't see a naked man butt. No, and whoever, ca- I mean, whatever casting was done for that was a stunt double, I it. mean, wow. Like, I don't know if they start- searched far and wide for that butt, but it was perfect. Whoever won that role. I mean, they absolutely nailed it. It was great acting work. That's that's the kind of butt that will like snap you into reality. Yeah, it was perfectly jiggly, long. It was a long (laughs) crack. Like the crack was, it was like a fault line. It was the kind of butt that you just have to, it really shows you who you really are and what you're really up for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, Ed was broken up with because Samantha saw his butt. Uh, when they got a little frisky and uh, yeah, she just couldn't do it. The old butt was what sealed the deal that they were over. Anyways, apparently quite the optimist, Steve shows back up at Miranda's place, not ready to take her no from their one night stand as an answer. He's genuinely into her and she's genuinely not into that. But she does agree to let him come meet her, Carrie, Samantha and Charlotte for drinks at Denial, which... What a name. I love it. I love in the writer's room. They're like, let's call it denial. So they were like, oh, we're in denial. It's amazing. I love it. I love you, writers. Before she heads to catch up with the girls at denial, Carrie stops off to pick up Big, who's made the serious gesture of agreeing to finally spend some time with Carrie's friends. Excuse me. That's not that serious. When she shows up to his place, however, he's in his boxers and he just doesn't feel like going out because there's going to be rain and he's too self-absorbed to brave the elements. Seriously, Big, what a fucking asshole. When Carrie does make it to denial, despite all the talking up she's been doing about Big to everyone, she can't bring herself to let the girls know the truth about him bailing. Lucky for her, Miranda's dealing with her own issues with Steve. Hmm. Look at you. Well, if you want good service, send a bartender. And if you want a good fuck, go home with one. So mean. Hello, it was funny. Miranda, can I talk to you over there for a second? The gods are punishing me for having casual sex. This music is hot. Thank you. One quick question and I'm out of here. Why do you hate guys so much? Excuse me? We just met, so I know that ain't all about me. Wait, wait, wait! What? What do you want? I just want to get to know you better. Do me a favor. Can you for one second believe that maybe I'm not some full of shit guy? 
that maybe I do like you, that maybe the other night was special? Do you think that maybe you can believe that? No. Maybe I've just slept with too many bartenders. So unbelievable. Mm. Also, wow, Steve, he was really struck by that sex with Miranda. I mean, like, they haven't spent that much time together. They hung out one night. They go home together. And then he, like, makes a bunch of attempts. It wasn't the sex. You know what it was? It's that Steve is the kind of guy who needs a spicy, funny firecracker with Miranda. It only took one night for him to realize that she's confident, that she's smart, that she has her shit together, that she's not this girl that's going to be like, oh, you're like, that's what he likes about her. The sex was whatever. It's the fact that she's unlike any woman he's met before. Yes. But what I'm saying is that Steve has, he is so dead set on winning her over like she has pushed him away so many times and in this scene they are fighting like they've been in a relationship for five years it's amazing and like the way he invests in her so quickly is very it's almost tying back to our last episode it's almost love at first sight for him yeah and actually i think again like as somebody who's just dated so much when you meet a guy who is ready to be in a relationship and who likes committing and who isn't immature, they don't beat around the bush. There's not a lot of games. You're so used to, I feel like women are like, single women are like dogs just being beaten down so much that they like stop trying. And then when they meet somebody who pets them, they're just like, fuck off. That's what's happening here. And then when you meet a guy who's like legit, you're just like, what's his deal? Why is he obsessed with me? I think she just can't even, I think she's had so many bad experiences. It's like, when you watch the scene, there's so many your first thought is god miranda's such a bitch jesus like so self-sabotaging but then you have to think before steve there were a hundred men that fucked her over yes and that it's just it's so it's gonna take a long time for her to be able to trust that he actually is a good guy well also i'm thinking of like my college boyfriend when we first started dating he was so nice to me and so into me and i remember being like Ugh! like get away like it's so lame how you like me and then eventually I got over it and I was like oh no I like him too and this is my defense mechanism that I put up when I realize I'm about to let my guard down with someone of course and so like yeah I think that's a little bit of what she's doing here I think that she's a little like weirded out by how upfront he's being and how how much he's pursuing her honestly I almost do wonder and I don't I think the answer is no, but I do wonder if Steve is also into Miranda because she's like not that into him. Like it's kind of cool. hot. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a heartbreaking scene to see somebody that has such little faith in love and men and themselves that they couldn't even possibly believe that someone I mean it's sad. It's really sad. Yeah, it's very sad. It's actually more sad than I Now that we're talking about it, it's more sad than it reads when you're watching it. But when you really break down that she's saying like, no, I can't believe there are good men. And he says to her, like, what happened to you? Like, who hurt you? Yeah. The the fact that they're already there. And this is like the second time they've ever seen each other. The third time they've ever seen each other. It is really heartbreaking. In a way, Miranda's the most fragile character in the whole thing. Miranda wears her scars right, right up front. Yeah, because she was never the pretty girl. She always got passed up. People, she's the girl who somebody in high school would be like, hey, some cute guy would be like, is your friend available on set? You know, it's like, that's just, I feel like that's happened her whole life. 
And I think it's a combination of that happening to her and then her seeking out dudes that aren't right. So that by now at her age and experience, she's just so low. I mean, thank God for Stevie. He's like making her like, you know, he's like forcing her to be like, you gotta be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, wow. What a connection they have. <laughs> you know what? It is it is really refreshing and romantic. It's like the one thing I always thought when I was like, when I date is like, would this person fight for me? Because um, so many guys are just like, you just give up so quickly or you do one thing and they're like, I'm not really looking for that in my life right now. Or like, you're like, oh, could you call me once a week? And they're like, hey, chick, like, I'm only 45. <laughs> I don't think I can. You're, And then it's just like so romantic and wonderful. And, you know, everyone who's in a real serious relationship in a real way is with somebody that would fight for them. Yes. And uh, if you've been with a lot of people that won't, it's it's so beautiful to see Steve, you know, really pursue her and and she's not used to it you know right well I also think that there's sort of and she's not saying this but it does come up later in their relationship she's also like I'm a lawyer you're a bartender like how how will this work you're like rough around the edges I'm uptight and diligent in my work and I'm a businesswoman. and what are you like it is it is unspoken at this point but it does come out later in their relationship. And I feel like you're still you're starting to see the remnants of it, knowing where it goes. You're seeing a little bit of that like classist attitude here with Miranda, which she's not admitting, but it does. That's it does absolutely surface. true. And it's interesting, too, because like when you are dating people, I think the longer you're single, the easier it is to like dismiss people because you're like, oh, well, he doesn't have like the 5000 things on exactly. my list. And I think for a lot of women. I think a lot of women who are jaded about dating have also passed up a lot of good guys. Yeah. Because they didn't tick off 75 out of the 78 things on the list. And you bring up a good point. Miranda makes more money than him. She's got a more fancy job. But the truth of the matter is, like, I know plenty of couples where it's like one of them has a better education. One of them comes to a fancier family. But at the end of the day, if you have fun, you have fun. And if you're the kind of person who like lets like that kind of shit get in the way, you know, you won't date someone who's bald, you won't date someone who's this, you won't date, you're gonna be alone for the rest of your life. Well, we also see that in a lot of the different relationships in this show. I feel like we see that with Charlotte and Harry, you know, she's like, hey, he's not my type. Right. She's like obsessed with him. So yeah. I think that this show does a really great job of sort of challenging like the way things are supposed to look on yes. paper, the way they've been fed to yes. you that they're supposed to look and then the way they actually look. Like the way love does not always um it doesn't it's always not always like as picturesque as yeah. i think that they yeah and i think everyone not just the women of sex in the city has internal status awareness in their heads especially in new york city it's think, absolutely impossible yeah, not to yeah in, in the cities it's like i do think that everyone is guilty of being like is he good enough for me is she smart enough for me is it? and i think that's something that that everyone has to get over if they actually want to be happy. And another thing you said that I think is really important is when people ask, like if if there's a single person and someone says, what's your type? Or if somebody says, my type is, to me, that's about a question that's as mature as what's your favorite color? It's yeah, like for children. Uh, yeah. Like if you have a type, if you literally say, mm, Mediterranean, tall, right. artist, then you are so immature. Right. Because the I person always, you fall I hated in love the with, question even when we were immature. It's a I always thought it was stupid. Question. It's like you don't know who's gonna walk through yeah. the door of your heart. And like if you have a fucking type, then you're not looking at the millions of people that you could actually be really happy with. Right. Agreed. 
Okay, James. Okay, so wrapping up the episode, all seems lost for Carrie with everyone else's opinion on Big until, surprise, Big shows up. He shows up to denial. Wow, that was so amazing that he actually followed through on a plan. What an amazing guy. Witnessing Big show up for Carrie shakes Miranda out of her down-on-men haze and catapults her into fleeing denial, the restaurant, not the emotion, and chasing after Steve in the rain. Steve, Steve! The episode closes on these two cuties kissing in the rain in truly, like, so much rain. It's very sweet and very wet. Aww. Which leads us to the question of the episode. Are we willing to believe anything to date? What's this question mean? Well, in the rain, in the rain ties back to um, in the beginning when they're talking about myths. And she's like, it's always in the rain. They're always in the, you know. So it's basically, I actually really love how this episode wraps up. It's essentially Miranda is the biggest cynic of the group. And then it turns out that she's the one who ends up kissing in the rain. So it's kind of sweet that like sometimes the fairy tales are true essentially um so yeah i think uh, are we willing to believe anything to date i i kind of get it and i kind of don't i don't get the question yeah but i think that one thing that's really important whether it's romance or your career dreams or your dreams of having a family or whatever it is i think you do have to hold on to like your ideals to dreams yeah and to things that are hard to do that very rarely have i think i think it's important to hold on to hope i think being that is what this means right yeah i think being jaded is actually affects the chances of the thing that you want to happen happening because when you are more open to things you allow the possibility of it to happen when your heart and mind are closed to your own success it's really hard for something to storm your own shutdownness. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to believe that yeah. things are possible. Good things are possible. Beautifully said. Thank you. It's making me horny. Girl. Because Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what you horny for right now? I am horny for um, a wonderfully hilarious show on HBO called The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, I want to see it. Um, it is so fucking funny. Oh, that's great. Uh, if you guys liked Eastbound and Down, oh, loved one of the funniest shows of all time, one of the funniest actors of all time. Dan McBride is a comedic a legend. Yeah, and every actor in the show, I mean. It's like congratulations. It's like Shit's Creek ended. So now what? Now what is Righteous Gemstones? Oh, is that that tonally? You think not tonally, bit? and okay. it's not sweet at all. Oh. But in terms of being like, I can't wait till my show is on. Really? It's so fucking funny. Oh, okay, I love it. Watch, watch, watch. What's what are you horny for? Um, I'm horny for a movie. I don't know exactly when this episode is coming out, but um, I'm sure that this movie, if it's not in theaters, you can get it where you get movies after they leave theaters. Um. I loved Good Boys. I thought it was excellent. And uh, is that with Robert Pattinson? No. Oh, the one about the young boys. It's with children. Oh, I yes. can't wait to see it. Um, yeah, it's excellent. It's just really funny and really sweet. And I love the perspective of like it's three boys um, who are all friends in middle school, and they really are good boys. Like these are like good kids. They're not hooligans. They're not like being like fuck our parents like they're actually just like good sweet kids who do well in school and they get into some mischief and it's just a really funny perspective um and i loved it so many jokes so many good jokes 
Yeah. I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks hilarious. It's so funny. Okay, I'm yeah, going to watch that. It's so funny. Yeah. Jamie, it was nice doing business with you. Oh my God, always a pleasure. It's 10 o'clock and we both worked full days. I'm pooped. Let's go home. Let's go home now. Okay, we love you listeners. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. (coughs) 